Hello, mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. And Operation Silver Screen is a go. Welcome, everyone, to another weekly debrief. Each week, Caitlin and I take on a case from our backlog of must-see films that either one of us or both of us have yet to see. In our debrief, we'll provide not only our opinion of the film, but we'll also discuss its significance and influence in both the film industry and society as a whole. Along the way, we'll also provide other fun trivia and insights on the film. Caitlin, what was our assignment this week? We're back to the streets of New York as we investigate some of the toughest gangs in the Five Points. We're looking at a real slaughter here as the Dead Rabbits and American Natives dive into an all-out war in the 2002 Might and Scorsese film Gangs of New York. And it's not the Gangs of New York, I learned. I think I always am going to refer to it as the Gangs of New York, but the film is just Gangs of New York. I never thought of that. Also, what do you mean we're back to New York? Have we? We've been to New York before, haven't we? Yeah, I think we've done other films set in New York. I don't know. I'm blanking on any right now, but I mean, we, we've had to. Every other film Wasn't is Harry set in New York. Wasn't Harry Met Sally? Yeah, it was. In New York? Yeah. So, you know, we're back to New York. <laughs> yep. Back to New York. And it's a Scorsese film, so. <laughs> and it's another rendition of a certain play, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> now, this is a film that I've seen, or at least I've seen most of it, I think. I watched this in college, I think, in an American history class, but I don't really remember the context. Not American history. It was an American literature class. Not American history, American literature. So kind of the same thing, but with a literature focus. I don't know the context of why we watched this or what like we were talking about at the time, but I do remember it was that class. Uh, and Brian, this is your first time watching this film, correct? Yes. And I feel like what happened that day is that uh, what you guys were talking about was the teacher's crazy weekend and how they're too hungover to actually present you with anything. And we're just going to play a movie <laughs> today. Roll in the old cart. Yeah, we watched a lot of movies, actually, in my literature classes. That's when the teachers hung over. I read that recently. <laughs> possible. Very possible. <laughs> so is there a reason why you put this film off? Or it just were you interested in this film? Was this on your radar? I was interested in this film. Always have been. Uh, I just don't know why I never, never, got, uh, never sat down and watched it. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like the same for a lot of Martin Scorsese films. It's just a lot of films that I've just not sat down and and watched uh i did almost watch this in high school because i think it was american history and the american history teacher recommended this movie and we were going okay. over something in history and he was like yeah you should go ahead and watch this movie even though now thinking about it, it's like he's recommending this radar movie to these 14 year olds and i tried to watch the movie but the thing was is that i was actually grounded at the time so Watching this movie, I, I try to like play it off like, yeah, this is this is what the history teacher says, kind of homework. My mom's like, no, no, that doesn't. So I'm guessing it was. Wait, so you weren't allowed to watch movies when you were grounded? N no. What what kind of grounded did you have? Um, like you couldn't. I mean, I didn't really go anywhere anyways, so I I don't know. I thought like grounded just meant like you weren't allowed to go out, and that maybe like like maybe your phone or like your iPad or something would get taken away. All right, first Not that of you couldn't watch movies or television. All right, first of all, um, back in my day, you, we didn't have iPads and phones to be taken away. Um, uh, yeah, we we had iPad touches, which had Wi-Fi. No, that, that wasn't until we were like sixteen. No, seven? no, like I definitely remember having one in high school because I would like stay up late watching YouTube videos. All right, one, it was like my it was definitely later end of high school, but that was definitely a thing. Okay, that was a thing for um, your financial class. Uh, I I didn't have an iPad at the time. I think the most I got was an iPod, iPod Nano. iPod Touch. iPod Touch. I did have an iPod. I did have an iPod Nano earlier in high iPod school. iPod Nano. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had did have one of those early on. I was actually you know speaking of financial class, but uh, my parents did get me or somebody got me an iPod Nano instead of just the iPod Shuffle. That's kind of what separated you. But then you had mm -hmm. people like Caitlin who had the iPod Touch, and they they were in their ivory <laughs> tower just just tapping away on the thing. No, my ground it was like uh, it was worse than prison. Uh, it was the only thing I could do was read. It's the only thing I was allowed to do. 
so I'm guessing this was ninth grade because I was in high school and ninth grade was really the last year that I was uh I had to serve any time. After ninth grade, <laughs> uh I I got better in like behavior and grades. Ninth grade was better in behavior, but I was still getting grounded because of grades. And then 10th grade, so I changed around, made honor roll, got better on my behavior. Could you like watch movies as a family though? Actually, I could do that. We did do that sometimes. There were sometimes I was excluded and then sometimes I wasn't. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. There were there were a couple times that they were like, all right, you know. Especially because I was grounded for like so, I would be grounded for like so long that I don't know. Like I think like state law, they had to include me in activities. <laughs> like I still, I, cause I still remember. I always talk about it. Like how I was, I was grounded for five months straight. Why? What did you do? I so I was, uh, I got grounded because of my progress report. My grades were bad, and then also I was just, uh, I was just okay. a menace to society. But it was all right. Well. You're going to be punished until your next report card or if you get into another incident. Well, what kept happening is that the progress report come out and then the report card come out and the report card wouldn't be any better. So now I get punished until the next progress report, but the next progress report gotcha. wouldn't be any better. So it just. Yeah, I feel like it was the same for me. Like if I was going in trouble, usually is for school related stuff like grades or if I didn't wear my coat out when it was cold. <laughs> But, like, my parents didn't ground. Like, they weren't really, like, big on grounding because I didn't really go out anywhere to begin with. Although, they did remove my door handle at one point. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Yeah. My, uh, I kind of had the, the new school. My dad would take my, my AC cables to my, uh, to my Xbox. Or just take the whole Xbox. <laughs> okay, just taking the cables. That's petty. <laughs> I <Yeah>. like it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nothing like coming back home from school and you're like, where are my cables at? Oh, what did I do? Oh, yeah, I got suspended. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so there was just a, uh, yeah, I would get punished. It was mostly like school related, but school related because I, I would also do things to get in trouble in school. So, yeah, it just, I mean, I just remember like I'll be in my, it was like prison time. I'll just be in my room just doing pull ups on the bunk bed. <laughs> got nothing else to do. Taking two naps a day. Just waiting for my, waiting for the next meal. Dang it. Yeah, it, do, it does sound like prison and no Gangs of New York event for Brian. <laughs> no, but I did get you some yard time. That's that's the last thing I put it. I did get some yard time. I was allowed to play outside. <laughs> yard time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't mess with your parents. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, actually, my dad like started getting creative, too. Like one time I got suspended at the last week of school and he was like, all right, if you're not able to go to school, um, these next three days, you're not going to go in the house during school hours. So I had to sit outside. <gasps> wow. And this was during the summer too. <laughs> I did go back in a couple times cause I was like, man, this, this heat is killing me. Like, mm. uh, like there was a little wow. overhead, so there was some shade, but he also made me, uh, sweep up the entire neighborhood, like the, 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 um, the curbs. I had to sweep <laughs> all those up and I had to clean up the wood line. The wood line? Yeah. Like we had like, remember how we had that little patch of woods in front and behind, my house mm -hmm. uh yeah i had a i had to clean up the litter and the trash that got into the wood line gotcha yeah but but this film um talking about somebody else who's uh, a little strict but he's more strict with his cinema martin scorsese yeah, uh martin scorsese yeah I, I feel like if, if martin scorsese could he would put marvel out in the sun for a couple of days and then have them <laughs> clean up the wood line but, i don't blame him <laughs> We we haven't done a Martin Scorsese film. Uh, you've seen many of his films, though. I think you've seen about the same amount as I have. I wouldn't say I've seen many. Actually, I think my Scorsese knowledge is a little bit lacking. He's a director I really like, and I want to see more of his films. I, I mean, obviously, I saw this one. I've seen Wolf of Wall Street. I've seen Goodfellas. Uh, I've also watched all of Boardwalk Empire, which he executive produced and did some directing for. But there's some other ones that I still haven't seen yet, but I would definitely like to see. And of course, the reason why we're talking about this film now and talking about Scorsese right now is because he does have his new film, Killers of the Flower Moon, coming out on the 20th of this month. So we thought it would be appropriate to talk about this film, especially because it also stars Leonardo DiCaprio. Have you not seen Hugo? Oh, yeah, I've seen Hugo. Hugo is good. Yeah, I've seen a good amount. 
of his. I've seen Goodfellas, of course. I've seen Taxi Driver. I haven't seen Wolf on Wall Street. I've seen Taxi Driver 2, the origin of the Joker. I've seen <laughs> uh, After Hours I watched recently. That's one of his uh, beginning films. And now Gangs of New York. I really want to see Casino. I forgot if you said that wasn't or was a must watch. I was thinking it was a must watch, but you were saying. Uh, that I wasn't sure of. Not compared to other ones that I think that we would tackle first. I feel like it'd be it's more of a must see than this movie. But I don't know. I we'll would see. have to look it, more into the awards. But as far as like his big names, we definitely have other big name films that either one of us or both of us, because you haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street. I haven't seen Taxi Driver. Uh, Raging Bull, I haven't seen. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen The Departed. Uh, Kings of Comedy. I do really want to I do really want to see Kings of Comedy. I don't know if that's a must see, especially because it wasn't well received when it came out. Um has that that's stopped definitely us one before. I, I would like to see. He, he, well, he, yeah, true. He, I just saw a TikTok video of him recently that he did with his younger daughter, and he was like going on a rant about how the Kings of Comedy wasn't well received. That that seems like something he'll do. That checks out. It's a cute video. Did I show it to you? Where he's like, she has him like guessing Gen Z slang and what it means. Oh no. No, that would be pretty it's good. Cool. I'll send it to you, and I'll probably put, I'll re- uh, retweet it or whatever on our our page, our Twitter page. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. There was a uh, crap. There was one other one I was about to mention. Uh, Shutter Island. I I'm actually probably gonna watch Shutter Island here pretty soon. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I I feel like I haven't heard the best things about Shutter Island. No, I I feel like I haven't either, but I feel like I've heard good enough things that's like you should go out and watch it my my problem is it's one of those films that i know the ending okay yeah i don't know the ending so no spoilers there what how do you not and know the speak- ending i feel like every year somebody's <laughs> gotta remember me re- remind me of the ending i don't know now speaking of spoilers i do want to mention that the first part of our debrief will be spoiler free as we talk about our overall thoughts in the film but as we move into the classified part of our mission there will be spoilers but we'll be sure to give you a warning when we get to that part So I do want to talk a little bit more about why we chose to watch this film this week. And this is a film, it had a budget of $100 which was over budget than what the original budget was. The film's release was delayed for over a year due to the 9-11 attacks. In addition, there was a lot of studio uncertainty with the film, who wanted a more commercial film and was very wary about the length of the film as well. But overall, this film, worldwide, the film has grossed over $193 million worldwide. It did get a little bit of mixed reviews, but many did praise the epic scope in production. Uh, a lot of other negative reviews condemned the violence in it, which we'll get to that a little bit later. It did get 10 Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Daniel Day-Lewis, Best Original Screenplay, Art Direction, Cinematography, Costume Design, Film Editing, and a best original song to the song The Hands That Built America, performed by Bono, and also best sound as well, I forgot to mention. Now, Daniel Day-Lewis did win some acting awards at the British Academy Film Awards, the SAG Awards, and the Chicago Films Critic Association, also the Critics' Choice Awards, and a couple other Film Critics Association awards as well. At the Golden Globes, Scorsese won Best Director, and he also was nominated for a DGA Award as well, and the screenplay was nominated for a WGA Award. Brian, what were you able to find in your research about the reception to this? Well, first off, it wasn't Bono. It was U2. I, I think the award... Oh, okay. I just saw Bono in the list of like who the recipients were, but they probably listed all the U2 names, and I just don't know the other U2 members' names. <laughs> well, it's, it, well, they also they have a collective name for their band, like most bands do, and you just say but that name. But that's not how it was listed. Like, they don't give the award to you two. They give the award to the individuals. Oh, okay. I guess, okay, I guess your list that you were reading was different than my list. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't Yeah, I don't understand how he won for this because it was like so thrown in at the end. Like, it doesn't play into yeah. the story at all. You really don't, you probably won't listen to it. It's very abrupt. But I feel like this is time that somebody was loving bono i don't i feel like the world loved bono but the people of the world did not love bono i don't know but i understand that (laughs) i don't i I don't understand it but that's like the best way that i can put it but i don't know he's just one of those it's not like nickelback level of hate but i do know like he gets a lot of a lot of criticism yeah he does 
I don't know. It was it was like before really my time, so I wasn't hearing too much. I, I like some of U2's music. I like some U2. I don't like the song. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't like this song. I'm not going to say I'm above U2. I, I do like some U2 songs. I used to listen to U2. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like U2, though, because they had that album free mm-hmm. on Apple Music that you couldn't get rid of for like ever. Yeah, it just automatically downloaded on everyone's phones. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who do you think you are? Uh but I also, um, another kind of surprise here I found was the best original screenplay. Like this, this counted as an original screen. This was Hamlet, which Hamlet is an adaption. Well, it's also an adaption anyways, because it's based off a book. Yeah, that's the other thing I was, I was thinking too. I was like, well, it wasn't this based off a book, but I guess it was inspired by the book. Yeah, I guess it was more inspired by the book than like a full based off of it. And that book is also called the gangs of new york it's by herbert asbury and it's from 1927 yeah and this is actually closer to the 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 primary source of even hamlet which is i don't know how to pronounce the title but it's it's norse mythology not norse mythology was a norse uh a norse tale i guess you would call it it's what the northmen last year was based on which i found out that Mm, hamlet is an adaption of that which lion king is an adaption of that so Lion King is actually an adaption of a Norse tale, but it's like it's it's quite a few books. Like you think of you think of Norse. I I didn't really think of like novelization, but it's quite a few books of this tale, and I think it's books three and four of it that uh, that talk about this this Danish man's uh, revenge that he goes on to avenge his father. Okay. But watching this, I was like, am I watching the Northman again? Like there were so many similarities. We'll talk about Maybe spoilers. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now this did get a seven point five on IMDb. Like you said, this has mixed reviews. This has a seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes for critics, with eighty one percent for audience. And this is in the one thousand one movies to watch before you die. So just to give you a little bit of background about what this film is about, the Gangs of New York is essentially a revenge story. The film takes place in 1863 at a time when there was tensions among Protestant American natives, and I use that in quotation marks, <laughs> and Irish Catholic immigrants. After the leader of the Irish gang, the Dead Rabbits, is killed in a gang battle by rival gang leader Bill the Butcher, his son, named Amsterdam and played by Leonardo DiCaprio, seeks revenge against his father's killer. And like I said, this is based off the 1927 book, also called The Gangs of New York. I didn't realize they took the title. How did this win Best Original Screenplay or get nominated for it? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I think there's always been like, I mean, even now, I think there's always just drama about what fits under original versus adapted. I get that. Now, this being your first time watching this film, do you want to go ahead and start with your overall opinion? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Man, I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings with this movie as well as the the mixed reception. I, I did like this movie. I, I enjoyed it throughout. I wasn't bored. I was kind of getting a little tired at the end, uh, but I think it's mostly just because it was late. This is this is an epic. I did really enjoy the relationship between Dan- uh, Bill the Butcher and Amsterdam. That was a really cool dynamic they had going on. And both they're both uh, good actors. Daniel Day-Lewis is great. As as always, I mean that's what you expect from him. Uh, so him as Bill the Butcher, he was always my favorite part seeing on screen. And the the story itself, I think, is really good for the first two acts. And I think when we get to the third act, when there's kind of this big switch in story, I think the movie it doesn't it doesn't start to drag or slow down, but it just feels like it's moving, like it's just. There's not any really more style to it. There's no commentary. There's no interesting like story points. It's kind of predictable. And I feel like things are just happening rather quickly. Like we kind of had this big build up to uh, to this grand moment. And then once the grand moment ended and we kind of shifted gears in this movie, it did feel like, okay, all right, we're just, you know, this is just a regular, just a regular uh, story. Nothing, nothing really special there unfortunately i think the story is something we kind of seen before even you know even before this time and yeah just i don't think there was like really too much new but there i mean it's martin scorsese a lot of good direction the film looks great the sets look great uh 
all the all the you know we talk about gangs in New York. The gangs of New York they were interesting. They had all these different gangs and they were pretty cool. Uh, but I think also even with Martin Scorsese directing, I think there were like some moments that the film he felt like he was experimenting, and this felt more commercial than his than the films that I've seen. That it, it kind of threw me off, and I was kind of disappointed in some things. That's and probably Weinstein, though. That that could be. I mean, that it definitely feel like felt more like there was a studio involvement here, and with such a big budget. Like, if this was Scorsese nowadays, he could have had the same budget, maybe more, and he would have had more time on this film. And I think this film actually could have uh, bested with another 45 minutes, honestly. But I like the, I did like the film overall. I just, uh, I think it fell short of being great. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he said recently in an interview that Shutter Island was the last studio film he was ever going to make. <laughs> I, I get it. And I mean, it's the last studio film he has to make. I don't think, Yeah. I don't really see the benefit outside of budget for making a studio film. Like, mm-hmm. once once you get to that point, like even uh, like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Uh, George Lucas still makes movies for, not George Lucas, James Cameron, who makes movies for mm-hmm. a studio. It still feels like his, it still feels like his movie. But that's just like, once you get to that level, like where you can just request the money from them and then they just turn their, you know, they don't have any oversight. Yeah, take that opportunity. Yeah, I think it's a little difficult because I think it's harder to reach that level nowadays um, in the film economy, I guess. Because, you know, you just had recently Sofia Coppola saying that she had a really hard time funding Priscilla. And that's Sofia Coppola, who has a lot of big name movies under her belt, who is a very, uh, she has a big reputation as a director. I mean, granted, she's makes more indie-ish type movies, that kind of feel. But but still, like even she is having difficulties getting funding. I actually I don't find that surprising with her. While she does have a lot of big names on her belt, like you said, they're they're indie films. She hasn't. I don't feel like she's paid her due yet when it comes to studio films. And I think those other people have like Scorsese, Spielberg, James Cameron. Like they've all done, they've all done their their due with studios. Yeah, but a name like Sophia's Coppola, like you're never gonna get. You know, people are. It's gonna fill seats. Um. I, I don't I, I love Sofia Coppola I do but even in her last movie I don't like hear any kind of success with the box office with that one well it wasn't in the box office it was on Apple Plus oh it was okay all right yeah I, I don't know I yeah I feel like you got to pay your due I think she's more than done it and she's a Coppola like you'd think I don't know I, I feel like it's just harder to get money regardless of your status but obviously you're Scorsese he is um, a modern film legend um, so I, I can see that like obviously if I see a difference between Coppola and Scorsese and the level of what they're operating at but I do just think it's a lot harder to get to that status um I don't know. I, I can't really say. Like, I don't think it's a time thing. I think it's it's always been a thing. Another name is David Fincher. I think he's kind of at that point. Especially when you become a when you start executive producing, I think that's something that helps out well. And all those names have been like executive producers, so they're still earning studios and all these people money. And Sophie Coppola, yeah, she's got the name, which is like how she got into the the business. I think the name gets you that far. Like, you can get in with a name, but you got to start making people money before you can really start asking for some big money and also asking for time. That's another thing. Time. Only certain directors can request three hours and 22 minutes to yeah. make a Western epic coming out in October. It's like yep. nothing about that. sounds. It's not even like he's playing on a holiday or anything. He's just like, I want to release this movie during the, the, you know, during the Halloween season. And I'm still going to make money. Watch me. Yeah. And James Cameron can prove that he can. He's like, man, I made a I made a movie about a boat sinking and a love story on it. And it's one of the highest grossing films. So he's a magician. And of course, he's going to get a bunch of money. Yeah. But going back to the Gangs of New York, I think I definitely agree with your opinion there. I... I I commend this film for its visual direction and its just direction entirely. As far as the story itself, it felt a little bit weaker to me at points. Like you said, we've seen a lot of revenge tales. I personally really love a good revenge story, and I just think that I've seen it done better. I think that the story points that this film 
tries to make other properties have done better. And one thing in particular is kind of like the relationship between Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Amsterdam. Gosh, why is his name hard to say? Uh, Amsterdam, the relationship between Amsterdam and Bill the Butcher and kind of how they get close and it kind of confuses his feelings a little bit. Like that, I think, was like perfectly played out in the anime called Vinland Saga. Uh, that first season kind of really hones in on that dynamic that you see in this film, but I think it does a lot better at it. And instead, you kind of have this long film that, like you said, in the third act, it kind of just falls off for me. I think it did drag a little bit for me. I mean, it was... I wouldn't say it dragged too much. I don't think the pacing was particularly bad. I think you are engaged throughout the story, but I just don't really understand where it was going at some point in this film and I think it tried to tackle on some historical aspects to a point where it neglected the personal aspects in this story. Uh, Like you said, Daniel Day-Lewis, he does a phenomenal job in this role and just the costume design for him was insane because this is a tall man. I think he's like 6'2 or so in real life and then the costuming made him look even taller so he really is just this looming menacing figure with this costume design and the makeup design. And I think it's spectacular. The production design was spectacular. So there's a lot I really do like about this film. And I like the kind of stories that Scorsese tries to tell in general. I think that it's something that I connect with. But unfortunately, this film just, like I said, it just didn't go too deep into the things that I wanted it to go into for a revenge story. And some of the casting also was a little bit miscast. Uh, Cameron Diaz should not have been in this film. And I think there are others that say the same thing. But she was not a great part of this film for me. She was just the the dame, the love interest. Uh, there was, I don't know, like their whole relationship with Leonardo DiCaprio and that man, you can tell because he spends some time not in like a prison, but in like some type of asylum. And yeah, he he didn't have many have much exposure to females. And there's a lot of pent up anger with him. Yeah. Uh, to, to say the least. Now, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis, Bill the Butcher, that is a great role. And actually, I heard that He's 6'2 in this role, but that's how great of a method actor is. He was actually uh he was actually 5'8 before this. <laughs> you know, like you know how like Christian Bale gains weight? Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis can do that with height too. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Another thing that was I found actually interesting with this movie, and again, it's it's interesting watching these movies right after finishing US History One and Two, uh, recently in college, that this this movie actually does bring up a lot of historical points and there there is some good detail in here. I do think that there is one historical event that takes place at the end of the film that I was like, man, I'm glad you guys mentioned this instead of just kind of glossing over it. But at the same time, without the kind of the, the build up and having it play into the story so much, I feel like it was kind of it was tacked on. and And I'm not upset like... I don't know. Like I said, I have a kind of back and forth feelings with it because I'm like, man, I'm glad you put it in and you just didn't kind of gloss over. I'm glad something was set. But at the same time, you spent so much time on it that now that it's really a full point of the story, it doesn't it doesn't feel right being in there. And not only that, there was there is something historically inaccurate about it that we'll talk about later or something that was historically glossed or they glossed over this one point. Yeah, I yeah, like uh, you mentioned Cameron Diaz. I don't think she was bad. I think she was was all right. I found it. I could not wrap my head around that it was Cameron Diaz because before this she was in the mask and the mask. She looks totally different. She actually looks older than she does in this movie. Actually, in this movie, I thought at first I was like, is this a young Jessica Chastain? No, no. It looked like Cameron Diaz in just a costume like that's what i said like i just saw cameron diaz in a costume i could never really see her for the character that she was playing i know that there was criticisms on her accent uh and you know i feel like the joke is now when you see a picture of celebrities like oh yeah that person has an ipad face like they don't belong in a period drama and that's what cameron diaz was for me okay yeah that makes that makes sense i agree but with i that. thought she looked like herself i thought she looked like the same as she does in any movies and even now i feel like she has aged very gracefully so i don't know i i thought she looked 
I don't know. Same. I kind of wonder how much. I wonder if she had any work done because she's kind of looked too similar for too many years. Which, unfortunately, I would like had this. She's kind of like what we were talking about with um, hate, uh, hating Christian. Hating Panettiere. Hating Panettiere. Why was I thinking hating Christian? I was gonna say like, oh wait, no, that's the Anakin. I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, I thought I don't know. I mean, her role was it was an all right typical role, and here we have a all right typical acting for it i know that she was the the studio did push for her because she was the bankable star so again that's you had that studio influence there mm-hmm. now we actually like uh one thing i didn't know about this movie is that there was a big battle between gangs and that was at the beginning of this movie and i was so disappointed to be honest i i did not think it was well directed i think big battles I, I can now see that, like, yeah, they are hard to direct, and I understand why. And I do give a lot uh, a lot more respect and admiration when I see it done successfully, such as Lord of the Rings, uh, who I think were really, like, the first ones to really do it well. But then you also have Battle of the Bastards and some other big scenes in uh, Game of Thrones that were done really well. But here, there's, like, some weird... I don't know, there's weird cuts. There's like a lot of these kind of bouncing from one interaction to the next where it's just like you see one person just doing another another hit on one and then they go to another person and they're delivering one strike and we're bouncing around a lot. And I don't know, I just kind of like any effect that was supposed to be gained from that scene was lost on me, especially when it starts up like kind of kind of silly. Like I was having a, yeah. a hard time believing, I was like, what time period are we in, first of all? And second, are like they actually going to kill each other? Or is this like, are they doing a reenactment? Like, it felt like a Civil War reenactment or something going on. Like, I was, it wasn't until that somebody died. It wasn't until two people died that I was like, okay, all right, it, this is an actual fight. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. And I think that there are some techniques to kind of add a little bit of spice to it like I feel like it was trying to do like a modern flair a little bit to it but sometimes I feel like it was just too much and it felt a little bit too rehearsed um and it also wasn't as violent as I remember I I think it was like so put on to me about how much this is a violent movie but it really I mean violence is there but it's not really a gory film there's some moments but like overall just not how it's played up to be yeah, no, I can see why my teacher recommended this to me. I can see like a TV cut of this movie where you just blur out the 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 nudity or cut those scenes out. This would have been fine. Like, yeah, there's yeah. there's blood here, but there's no gore. You actually, you really don't. Actually, in that beginning battle, some people get cut with a cleaver and you don't see like even the the wound on them. Yeah. There's also some like slow mos and like that's another one. They, they, yeah, like you said, there was a spice that was added in, but it was the wrong spice. Yeah, and, and like even just the addition of the rock music too in parts. Like I think the very opening scene, like the subtitle was like rock music playing. I made a note of it because I thought it was funny, and it's just like, all right, what kind of vibe are we going through here? And I think that if it was more committed to that, maybe I would like it more. But I just feel like it was used sparingly, uh, this tone and that it just it just didn't work. Yeah, and that's where I think kind of the the studio interference was was there, or not even like studio interference, but they told them they're like, hey, you got to you got to make this more commercial, you got to make this more accessible to people because they were also going to release this in, on Christmas, so this was definitely yeah. for a wider audience. Also, if there's a couple like comedy moments in there too that like was funny, but it just wasn't it wasn't consistent enough. I feel like there was a lot of inconsistency with this film. Yeah, I was also expecting like the fights to be a lot dirtier, and there, there's there is one good moment of headbutting, but other than that, yeah, there I don't know. It, this felt like a typical commercial Hollywood battle in the beginning, and that kind of didn't start off strong for me. Uh, this is a movie of like, oh, there's that person. Oh, there's that person. So that was cool. You'll watch this and you will see a lot of people in there that you just like that have become A-listers or is in a TV show that you like or you haven't seen in this type of role before. I mean, we have the the one who plays the father in the 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 haunting hill on the house, the house hill, the hill house on haunting the 
the the the trash flinging, the crash flinging. Um, that father in there, he actually does a lot of movies with Mike Flanagan, a lot of movies and TV shows. He's in this as a as a young kid. Well, kid, not not kid, kid. That I'll have to I'll have to look. Yeah, Johnny, his friend. Okay, yeah, I didn't even make that connection, but that was him. Yeah, Devin brought it up to me, and I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, you kind of just take. Like, his... I see it now, but yeah, huh? Yeah. If now, Grant, I think he needed a better wig. Yeah. That that was throwing me off. I'm glad you said yeah just now. I was like, man, is that how they looked back then? Or. <laughs> um. Yeah, John C. Riley's also in this film. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's the actor I got used to just randomly seeing now. Because there was there was one year like I saw him in three films I was not expecting to see him in. And they were like all dramatic okay. roles. It was like Boogie Nice, Three Hours, and some other film. Is there anything else you want to say about your opinion on this film? No, no. So let's go ahead and talk about the influence that this film had. What were you able to find for influence, Brian? I didn't find much. Uh, actually, I didn't find anything. I, I did I, I did see something. And I did some research and I couldn't find anyone stating that this was an influence. But man, if you look at the Anchorman news fighting scene and the beginning of this Gangs of New York scene, so similar. Really? So so similar. Have you seen Anchorman? Uh, I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen the scene you're talking about. Oh, that's that's one of the best scenes is that they all these news stations, they end up crossing paths in an alley. Like it's all these. It's like their rival news station. It's the Spanish news network. Uh, There's like a couple of celebrity cameos that come in. And it just turns into this big, outrageous fight scene. Like the the best way to kind of put it put it into words is at the end of it, Will Ferrell just said, "Well, that escalated quickly because like weapons mm-hmm. start getting pulled out, like tridents. Uh, it's like a guy on fire. There's somebody on horseback. Ben Stiller has a whip. It's insane. You should definitely look it up. Actually, you should watch that whole movie. That's one of my favorite comedies. I hope that this is a uh, influence." <laughs> I hope that is influenced by this. I, I will have to send it to you. And like one, I recommend watching the whole movie because there's so many great scenes in that. But I'll send that to you. And you tell me that that does not remind you of gangs in New York when they're all getting like set up and then they finally go into battle. <laughs> the only influence I had is that this is kind of really the start of the Irish point of view in Scorsese's works. Scorsese, he is from New York. He's from manhattan i believe and he came across some gravestones from old irish gravestones and he was very interested in like the other point of view of new york and so you see this in other works he has uh the irishman of course would have the irish point of view and also boardwalk empire that i mentioned before which he serves as a producer and sometimes director so you do start to get more of the irish point of view in his later works okay yeah yeah i didn't know i mean before, of course, it was the the Italian uh, side. So yeah, it was I didn't know this was the start of the the Irish perspective, but I definitely see it. And there's actually um, well, we'll talk about it in significance. There's another connection between this and Irishman. Okay. Now, as far as significance goes, I did mention that he grew up in New York, and so he often makes films about New York. Um, so he has The Wolf of Wall Street, Mean Streets, After Hours, King of Comedy, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, Raging Bull, Age of Innocence, and even more than that. He has a lot of films set in New York. So that's just one thing. You said sometimes and then went on to list out half his uh, filmography. <laughs> You know, it probably time actually time. would be uh, better to just list his films that aren't set in New York. That yes. actually might just be easier. <laughs> but I think this is significant in that way because he's always looking to try and find a way to give another point of view to New York. Yeah, I feel like even if we watched a movie like where it wasn't in New York, like it'd be like a sci-fi film. And at the end, it would be just like Planet of the Apes where they're at uh, the Statue of Liberty. Like we've been in New York this whole time. <laughs> another significance is that this film marked the first collaboration between scorsese and dicaprio and that's why we're watching this uh and we've seen other works obviously shutter island uh wolf of wall street but they've been collaborating together and it seems like a pretty good pair yeah this is definitely a good pair and they both uh have admiration you know not only for each other but for for film they both took a pay cut actually I, from the sounds of it they took like a pretty big pay cut 
from this uh from this movie so that they can increase the increase the budget and make the budget even though they still went over which i think both of them at the time were the ones able to do that dicaprio at this point was he was set uh if you don't know dicaprio he instead of taking a salary for titanic he took a percentage of titanic and titanic became one of the is is one of the highest grossing movies was was for a while for decades that was a great move on his part, I don't know if he saw like I don't think anybody predicted it was going to do that well. But yeah, so he he could definitely afford a pay cut. Yeah, have you seen What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Isn't that his first movie? Oh, I keep for I keep mixing up that movie with this Robin Williams movie. But no, I have seen What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I don't know if that was his first movie, but yeah, I've seen that one. Mm-hmm. What were you able to find for significance? Uh, for significance, uh. This is another time that someone pulled Daniel Day-Lewis out of semi-retirement, which I feel like is every time that he comes back to film. Yeah. Like, dude, all right. It just I just feel like he really seems like he's just out there in the middle of the woods with a log cabin with his family, and he's just cutting wood, and then, you know, just bringing that axe down on the logs, and then some director comes to you and is like, hey, we need you. And it's usually for some big directors, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson twice, I know, like that was that was big news when he came back for Phantom Thread, uh, but yeah, also also here, semi retirement, whatever that means. This is the largest Scorsese budget all the way up till The Irishman, and that was the other connection there that I was talking about. This went for this had a budget of a hundred million dollars back in two thousand two, so probably like hundred between one hundred fifty and two hundred, uh, which, which is that's that's quite a bit, all right, especially for kind of a more historical film and while this was kind of being marketed to a wide audience it wasn't going to bring in that wide audience or i mean you couldn't have really foreseen that and i'm not sure how much killers of flower moon is but that one seems like it's a high budget yeah it looks like it now this film as we mentioned is based off true historical events and a lot of it is pretty accurate uh, a lot of the gangs did actually exist, and the characters also in those gangs were based on real people. There was actually a real Hellcat Maggie. Uh, she's one of the big dead rabbit characters in this. Yeah, she followed down her teeth. Uh, she not not for this movie. She's not that much of a. I hope she's not that much of a method actor. Uh, <laughs> but followed down her teeth, and she had these long brass nails, and or brass fingernails. So yeah, she was she really was Hellcat Mary, and she and then the non-surprising fact that I found out she died at twenty-five, rather young. But again, for somebody named Hellcat Mary who followed down the teeth, about the, about the life expectancy. I mean, I, is that really that surprising for back then, though? Uh, I don't know. I felt like people made it, you know, a little bit a little bit older to like twenty-eight or something. <laughs> I don't think their uh, medical science was quite that advanced. Uh, The Butcher character, Will Cutting, his character is based off a famous member of uh, the Bowery Boys gang, it's called. And his name was William Poole, not William Cutting. So he was based off a real character that also was known as the Butcher because he was a butcher by trade, but also was a ruthless boxer. I felt like... The last name Cutting was a little bit too much. It was a little on the nose, yeah. Yeah, I was like, all right. I, I mean, it would have worked if he wasn't already a butcher. Because then I started to question. I was like, wait, did he get his name because he's a butcher or because his name is Bill Cutting and they call him the butcher? Or did he like, did he take up butching because his name fit it so well? Like, There's just maybe, too many questions. Maybe, <laughs> Now, the Civil War Military Draft Act in 1863 was also a real thing that led to some great big New York draft riots in that time where people did not want to be drafted into the Civil War. Something that the film gets a little bit of criticism are is that when it comes to the draft riots, there was a lot of racial tension in it as well. And that's also the Irish versus um the black people as well. And so I think the film really glosses over the racial aspects of those riots. It, it does bring up the racial tension because they're talking about like all these black people being killed, which I was like, good. You know, that's something that should be brought up. And the part that was glossed over was that it was actually the Irish that were the, 
it was the the Irish and the Irish Americans that were killing the the black yeah. people. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like a lot of times, I think this film kind of sh- only portrays the Irish as the oppressed, as opposed to being both, right? Both the oppressor and the oppressed. Yeah, which is why it's like, man, you guys focus so much time on that that now it doesn't really make too much sense because you kind of have this like, oh, the the immigrants and the black people are getting along because they have this mutual antagonist. They have the yeah. Bill Butcher and, you know, um, the American government, which, I mean, w- when you say it out loud, I mean, it would make sense that those two would, would get together because they were literally in like the same, you know, no pun intended, they were on the same boat. But a lot of the, pro- the problems came from pay disparity uh black people worked for for a lot less money than the irish uh so then the irish that's why like the draft right stealing our jobs <laughs> yeah they're well the americans native the uh the american natives not the native americans were like they're stealing our jobs and the Irish are like well they're stealing our jobs and the draft mm-hmm. riots broke out and anytime a riot breaks out i feel like the reason it breaks out there there's like there's a there's a grand reason there and then once chaos breaks out everybody just looks for their anger outlet so they start looting and in this case they basically started a race war which you know we talked about before with um kind of like destroying a black communities uh this was another incident of that because they just a lot of a lot of black people went homeless and then a lot of black people were then drafted into the military they even burned down an orphanage they didn't touch any of the children but they took everything of theirs mm. uh but they I, I was reading i was like please don't touch the children please don't hurt the children and no they, they moved them they moved them somewhere else before ransacking and laying their place on fire which is you know disheartening to read but yeah when when it comes to this film it's like ooh, that kind of conflicts with what you've been saying right now and by you putting so much time into it like you're kind of again i'm glad you brought it up but spending too much i don't really feel like it brought it up in too much detail and i think it never really frames the irish as an oppressor except for like the couple i'd say turncoats i guess who were on the side with the american natives but i think that and just in general i feel like that whole riot at the end it just didn't have enough detail in it to to really get the point across i feel like it was a little bit shoot in in general with the riots i mean i understand the undertone that the film tries to create but sometimes i just felt like i would have liked to see just a more personal story instead of something that was so broadly epically scoped that it just could not touch on everything yeah yeah that was my issue with it. i think it was kind of it felt shoehorned in and that's where i kind of had mixed feelings because like this did happen but when telling this story yeah i would have liked the more personal story and when it comes in at the end like this it it doesn't i don't know it just doesn't fit doesn't fit with what you're what you've been telling so you've been telling all this and now you're you're telling you're doing a retelling of history it doesn't it doesn't gel Mm -hmm. yeah was there anything else you had for significance um you know what we're talking about historical accuracies one thing that I actually do applaud this movie for is a small detail that they don't um, that they don't tell the audience about. They just they have it in there. Is if you listen to all the draft names that are being picked out on the lottery, they're all Irish names, or at least most of them are. I, I recognize most of them to be Irish names, which is a good okay. detail because those are the people that were being drafted were the immigrants and the blacks. It wasn't the yeah the the other people that have more privileges in society. Okay. Which yeah. is why I've always been kind of interested. I'm like, man, what would a draft be like nowadays? Because you couldn't get away with the things that they were doing back then when the draft was no. implemented. Uh uh-uh. Yeah, you no. have to pay $300. No, nobody could pay their way out of a draft now without just total, like, yeah, another another riot, like a total civil war. Yeah. So who would you recommend this film to? I'll recommend this film to the people that it was made for, the general audience. I don't really think there's anything here other than Daniel Day-Lewis uh, to to recommend to cinephiles to make this like, hey, you you should go ahead and, and watch this film or to you either watch this for Daniel Day-Lewis or to cross it out in your, uh, to check the block in your Martin Scorsese filmography. I mean, 
mean, I do think that there is some good stuff about the cinematography and production design that cinephiles can enjoy, but I agree. I think it is definitely for a general audience. Yeah, as a cinephile, you'll find things to appreciate. I like the the lighting in this film. There were a couple spots that were a little too dark, but there were some others that were really good. Uh, there, yeah, there's definitely things to appreciate, but I think there's other other movies you can recommend first. Agreed. Let's go ahead and move on then to the classified portion of our podcast. This is where we're going to be talking spoilers on the story. And later on, we're also going to be talking about whether or not we think this film holds up as well as our overall rating of the film. So if you want to listen to that, but you haven't watched the film yet, just give us a pause. Go watch it. It might be a little bit because I think it is a pretty long movie. Uh, But do come back. Do come back. Put us back on and listen to what we have to say because we're going to be talking some, some stuff here. So, Brian, what do you, where do you want to start with our spoiler discussion? Um, well, one thing I mentioned that we'll talk about in spoilers was the, I was going to talk about the draft rise, but we talked about it already. I, man, I really don't know where to go with spoilers because a lot of things like, you, you know, like, you know where this is going. I said the big turning point is when Leonardo DiCaprio tries his plan at killing Bill the Butcher and it goes, it goes wrong, horribly wrong. Uh, and Daniel Day-Lewis bashes his head in with his own head, which is, which is great. That's a that's a great scene. But from yeah, from there it just kind of slows down. Oh, another oh, now I remember what we were going to talk about in spoilers. It was the the similarities to the Northman. Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, in the Northman, he 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 goes he goes to this, he leaves his people, you know, Leonardo Capital leaves the asylum and then he goes back to you know, he goes he goes back to this land, this being New York, and the Northmen, he goes back to or doesn't go back to, but he goes to this farmland and they work under the person that had killed their father. Also, the big thing, the one that like really clicked in my head is when Cameron Diaz was talking about we should go here to San Francisco. It was just like Anna Taylor Joy's character saying, Hey, we should leave here, leave this revenge behind. They even had that scene that we always have in revenge films, which is you don't have to do this, we can just leave right now. Which I don't know if it's because me as a like as a man like in the Northman I agree like he could have kept he could have gone there was no need I I think like there wasn't really need for him to 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 fight the to fight that man like I already think that enough had taken place that they could have gone but here I'm like he kind of set up this whole challenge and right if he doesn't show up a bunch of people that he led will show up and be discouraged and get brutally murdered. So I feel like he's just like you're you're kind of speaking too late here. Yeah. Yeah, at this point he's already he's a gang leader. He's like there's a lot of people that are relying on him to lead them too. So I yeah, I agree. It was a little late. Also, how he became a gang leader, I thought that was way too quick. That's where I thought the movie could have benefited with some more time. Yeah, I feel like I would have liked to see a little bit more of the like political intrigue in that and like getting allies and convincing them to join you and and what that took. I I agree. I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. I would actually like to see it throughout the story. Like I thought that's what he was going to do was while working for Bill, he was going to kind of be putting people together. Yeah, Uh, I thought so too. Or like winning over people's trust. And like, so that moment when they do break, they're like, hey, we still stand with you, Amsterdam. But I don't know, like, I felt like Bill the Butcher, yeah, he was a he was a racist, he was a xenophobe, but other than that, I didn't really see, like, reason for everybody to turn against him. Yeah, and I, I feel that I never really saw any cleverness from Amsterdam, any, like, real smarts to him. So I, I never really knew what his plan was other than get revenge. Yeah, he was just like, I'm gonna get a bunch of people together, and I'm gonna get revenge, and... And that was it. And that's where I felt like the and, movie was just moving along. Not It wasn't saying anything deep. Yeah. And what did you think about like the whole plot with with Cameron Diaz's character? Like one, her relationship to Bill the Butcher, but then also this kind of, I won't say it's a love triangle, but the reason why Johnny betrays him in the first place. That was, that's another love triangle it's so predictable the whole thing's predictable mm-hmm. yeah like i i knew every, i knew johnny was going to betray him i didn't really get the whole music box thing but yes she was just she was the the love interest uh she was the not the foil but she was the wrench in the kind of in the plan or not the i guess like 
her being there and then Johnny wanting to betray him because, you know, he loved her. It was just, yeah. And then we find added out. drama. Yeah. It just added drama and nothing else. I mean, it didn't really yeah, do anything for her character. drama, but it just wasn't really interesting. And I, like I said, I just didn't find Cameron Diaz's character or performance very interesting. So that didn't help either. Leonardo DiCaprio's performance, I didn't care for when he was around her. Because it was just like this angry, it was just this angry kid, this angry boy who didn't know what to do with his emotions, it seemed like. <laughs> That's what I said. Like, he ain't smart. So how is he his big leader now? <laughs> yeah, like th- this. this is a dude that couldn't control his own hormones like he would just get around her and be like i don't know what to do with these feelings yeah that was basically what was happening what did you think of the final showdown between uh amsterdam and bill the butcher i mean bill the butcher going in through the smoke like slash what do you do (laughs) (laughs) that was funny but i actually did like that yeah, I did, but then thinking about it, it didn't really fit with Bill the Butcher. I mean, like you say, he's known for being a boxer. He's not a stealthy rogue. <laughs> yeah, he's not a stealthy rogue. I don't know. This man, he got lucky with his with his role, with his stealth check. <laughs> until until that cannon came down, got hit with some shrapnel. So I thought, I don't know. I'm glad we got the scenes that we did with him, but their final showdown, the movie just ended. Yeah, and I I understand, I think I understand where Scorsese was going with overshadowing that fight with the historical context of the, dra- the riots that were going on. But I don't know, it did feel like it just happened and that was it. <laughs> yeah, I, I get the point too. And it's just kind of like the with the draft riot, I was like, I get it. But at the same time, like kind of set up the story and everything, I feel like you're you're kind of cutting it cutting it short. Which I mean, I guess is the intention. But I don't know. I I kind of rather have the the story there than the accuracy at this point. Yeah, and I I appreciate the idea that like you have this built up in your head for so long that you want revenge and then when it actually happens it just is kind of a whimper right like it does it's not as cathartic as you want it to be but i think that i've seen other properties do that theme just a lot better uh so it is what it is and then also what happened with cameron diaz's character why even have her go out there you could have just had her wait like again more yeah. unnecessary drama if you're not even gonna let she her get on the needed to leave right then <laughs> right then uh, I also feel like, oh, wait, no. One thing I did like also was the way Daniel Day-Lewis uh, or Bill, the way that he respected the priest. Like, there was some really, I, I love the monologue where he's at the uh, DiCaprio's bedside. Mm-hmm. Like, those were, those were some really good moments. Yeah, I agree. I like that as well, because there's a lot of nuance and respect there, even though they're enemies. So I was like, I was really hoping for like a moment where Day Lewis sees sees DiCaprio like that, or or sees Amsterdam like that, and I feel like we didn't fully get it. Yeah, I agree. I would, like this like this whole movie, I just felt like it felt. I mean, it it fell kind of short. Now I did read a good article by from Screen Rant that talked about the beginning and ending of this film. The beginning of this film. You have a moment of Amsterdam as a kid and his father is um, has a blade, like a shaving blade. And he makes sure his son understands that the blood stays on the blade. And he says, one day you'll understand. And then at the end of the film, we have him, I think he buries the knife, right? Yes. And then it cuts to a skyline of modern day New York. And so it always kind of, goes back to this idea that like you can't erase the past you can't bury the tragedies of the past and it just kind of life moves on and so I did like that connection and it wasn't a connection that I really made when I first watched this I didn't really understand the significance of keeping the blood on the blade until I read this article and I will definitely put this article on our Twitter account uh so and our Facebook too I'll send it to you for the Facebook but I liked that. I liked that it made sense. Although for me personally, when I was watching the film, when you do have that transition to modern day New York, I thought it was a little bit cheesy. I was just thinking in my, I said, God dang it, Scorsese. I know. 
You love New York. <laughs> we get it. I felt like the last five minutes of this film, I saw about 30 different versions of New York. I saw a burning New York. I saw the aftermath of New York. I saw the rebuilding of New York. I saw semi-future New York. I saw future New York. Like, God, really? Really? <laughs> I get it. <laughs> also, we talked about this in a saw, but there were some flashbacks in this movie that were unnecessary. I was like, yeah, I remember that guy. I was like, your movie's not that long. Your, your movies yeah. aren't that long yet, Scorsese, that I need a recap of what happened 30 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't like that. I hate when that. We've talked about a few movies that do that, and I, yeah, it's definitely a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, I get it if it's a TV show. Like, this is the second season. You're like, who's that guy? I'm like, oh, flashback. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. You know, and that's just a percentage of the time. Was it The Matrix that, like, showed, like, the whole movie in as a flashback? Yes. And they didn't bother, like, to make it look like it was from anybody's perspective. They literally just popped in a VHS tape and played it on a projector. <laughs> I think that's still, like, the worst that we've seen. That, yeah, that was the, the laziest, most definitely. But I don't know, that Saul one got me. That one, that, that one upset me, too. Because I was like, <laughs> this was, like, 10 minutes ago. And this is an hour and like 30, hour and 40 minute movie. Like you had time to spare. Yeah. Like the Matrix I can kind of get because somebody's like, oh man, nostalgia. Saul was just unnecessary. <laughs> so whatever's worse, unnecessary or lazy, both are a waste of my time. Very true. Is there anything else you want to talk about in our spoiler discussion? Uh, the other actor that I really liked was Gleason playing Monk. Who later ran Who? for the sheriff. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, with the club. I thought he was I thought he was really good. I forgot his name either. in the film. I'm like monk. Although he made me bad though, because the way he died, because I was like, what were you expecting? Like you knew that was gonna happen. Come on. Why would you turn your back to him? I didn't expect it because Bill's always been in so much about honor and respect. I don't know. I I was like, you dummy, why are you doing this? <laughs> My problem was, I was like, there was somebody else in that barbershop. You're not going to do anything, man? Like, come on, come on. You see me right now. Cleaver in the back. Like, come on, something. <laughs> yeah, I did like his character, though. I think he was definitely one of my favorite characters in the film but like i said just the way he went out for me i was just like come on you got to be a little bit smarter than that that's what i'm saying like nobody in this film is very smart uh that one i get that one i get so do you think that this film holds up i think it holds up but i don't think it holds up to its reputation i don't think it yeah, holds up i agree yeah i don't think it holds up to being like uh you know, one of those, I really don't think it's really one of those, you got to see movies aside from a couple points. I also, I don't think it holds up to be in this gory film. I think that's kind of the biggest thing. It doesn't hold up to be in this violent film that mm -hmm. it was made out to be. And I'm not saying, you know, like I'm one for, uh, you know, for the sadism and, and everything and for like, I, I just want to see a violent film. But when it's kind of played up like that, and it's not just because I want to see the violence, but like just the ruthlessness and kind of getting that impact that you can actually get from violence rather than just watching it as a spectacle. Uh, I, I don't think it, yeah, I don't think it holds up to that reputation at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that the production design holds up and it's a story that overall, I mean, revenge stories hold up in general. We see a lot of them. But like I said, I just feel like I see people take the themes that are in this film and do it better but I do have to commend it, though, for being, I mean, you said that your history teacher told you to watch it. I watched it in American literature class. So I think that it does hold up as far as being a good representation of history for the most part. Obviously, there's some things that we mentioned it doesn't do quite so well at, but a lot of it, you know, it does give a good glimpse of uh, how things were like for Irish immigrants and the xenophobia against the Irish people at that time. Yeah, it was cool also seeing, you know, the... The natives and the natives being represented, them going, the nativist party going by that name. Uh, just, yeah, I, I would say like this is a good movie and it does, historically, it is rather accurate and it makes you at least want to go ahead and look more into it. Or at least I would recommend you look more into it after watching this movie or any movie, honestly. 
Yeah. So what is your final rating of this film? I give this a... I think I give this a C plus. Kind of torn between a C plus and a B minus. I was going to say C plus, so we're right on the same page. <laughs> yeah, it really is Daniel Day-Lewis that's kind of bringing it up for me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, I think he's only bringing it up to that C plus level. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I will stick there. Steep C plus sounds right. It, it's kind of disappointing because I do like Scorsese films. I just don't think that this one is his best one. Yeah, and also with his reputation of this being, like, kind of one of the essential gangster films, I don't think that's, uh, I, don't, I don't think that really holds up anymore i think there's better gangster tv shows and movies outside of the i think like the ones everybody thinks of are the italian mafia ones but kind of anything outside of that i feel like this used to have that reputation of being one of those gangster films that you got to go ahead and see that don't deal with the mafia but I, i mean granted we don't really see many from this time period though yeah, I think the closest thing we see doesn't take place during this time setting, which is Peaky Blinders. Uh, but yeah, other than... Well, Where no, does Peaky Blinders take place? Like a century later. But the oh. accents are <laughs> similar. I think that's the only reason I was thinking they well, were... Well, I was going to say, like Boardwalk Empire talks about the Irish experience, but it's more in the 1920s, 1910s, 1920s, I think is the earliest it starts. Yeah, I think Peaky Blinders is like 1920 or a little bit before. Yeah. So I feel like that in general, as far as a lot of gangster films go, I think that's usually the earliest we see. So I do think that this does stand out for being that in that time period. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, somebody else revisits this time period. We get an, I mean, I would like to see more from this. Yeah, I agree. I know. I think at one point there was talks for a television show, but I didn't see anything about it much. I could see that. I think it will work. Yeah, that I think would be interesting. But I don't know. I also I try to get into Warwalk Empire and I couldn't. So, oh gosh, you're missing out. That is literally like my favorite show of all time. Yeah, I know, and I'll, I'll have to it's give it a so third chance. I'll, I'll have to give it a third chance someday. Especially once you get into the second season. I can understand the first season being a little bit slower, but like the second season. And then just like how the final season like wraps back, like it's a very like epic storytelling, but just it's just the way it goes about it is amazing. It's for now. All right. So, Brian, what is our next episode? Our next episode? Well, it is Halloween uh, or getting close to Halloween. And that we don't have any other directors interrupting that season of scary movies. So with us returning to the horror season. We're going to go ahead and watch or take on the assignment of Practical Magic. This is a film that Caitlin has seen and I have not having heard of until she brought it up. Did not think <laughs> that this was a must-see film, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I'm now actually excited for this movie. Yeah, it's got quite a bit of a following. And cottages. <laughs> cottage core. We'll talk about some cottage core. That may be my new thing by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> may start recording in a cottage and while we're going ahead if you guys want to give us some cottage tips you know you want to let us know how we should go ahead and decorate it or you want to talk to us about movies you have some questions you just want to give us your feedback or you just want to say hello that's complete that's not even just fine that we we definitely welcome that now caitlin do they have to meet us at the five points to go ahead and give us all that or is there an easier place that they can do that so you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Op Silver Screen. On Facebook, we're at Operation Silver Screen, but Twitter and Instagram, that's Op Silver Screen. You can also find us on our personal letterboxes. If you just want to take a look and see what else we're watching throughout the week, maybe take a look at some reviews for films that we don't get a chance to talk about on here. You can find me at Coffee Spoon Kate, that's Coffee Spoon C-A-I-T, and Bryant, he's at Swank Seal, that's capital S, capital S. Till next time, we'll be in HQ. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. See you.